Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musician's Guide podcast. My name is Karen and I am your host. Um, Happy Wednesday, April 5th. Um, I am recording this today, right now, probably a little bit before it actually goes live. Um, It has been a week and a month and it's been super crazy. Um, So this will actually be a solo episode. Jen was actually not able to join me, but I did want to wrap up our money series and um, just give you a little bit more information on a topic that we constantly get emails about. And I feel like I revisit with my clients, especially this time of year, which is the topic of masterclasses, what to charge, how to book a tour, how to do a residency. So I just want to share some thoughts and as always question the source, figure out what works for you. Um, Keep in mind that different markets and different towns and cities and all of that um, have different pricing, but this will be just like a very generic, um, number and uh, just idea. So if you have any questions or anything, like feel free to reach out to us. We are also, um, we just launched the trackers we've been promising all March on the Patreon. Um, We have the income and expense one. Um, We have one for how to do events um, and also uh, just the business of of just residencies and tours and stuff. So um, we also have a spreadsheet up there on like how um, to kind of calculate the cost of doing business, which I think is something that we talked about a lot in our March episodes, like what is the cost of doing business? So I just really want to break that down for y'all. Um, and hopefully have a, a helpful conversation around this. Um, like I said, this is one way to do it. There's many ways to do it, but as an agent and working with chamber groups and, um, a lot of folks in, in higher ed and soloists, um, this has been something that I've been using for the last about 10 years, um, that has been super helpful for my clients. Also, we just made a really big announcement. Um, it's on my Instagram. So head over to Karen Takivitas. Um, We will have a super awesome episode about that next week on the podcast for real, for real. Um, if you want the tea on that, though, we did record an episode that got too spicy for the main feed. So that's going to hit Patreon on Friday. So that's all I'll say. Um, but we are very, very excited. Um, so talking about residencies and tours. So the first thing I'll say is what I've been saying a million times. So I apologize. This is at this point, like a drinking game. Um, what is the cost of doing business? So whenever you want to give a masterclass, whether it's on zoom in person, maybe you want to do a masterclass, give a recital. Maybe you want to do a lecture on a particular topic, play a recital, or you want to do a combination of things where you might want people to play for you. You might want to give a lecture on a particular topic and you might want to give a recital or you want to partner with different um, schools within the School of Music or even within the university. Um, Or maybe you have a chamber group and you want to go play in chamber series, or you want to do a route of elementary, middle school, high schools, like whatever the touring capacity may be. I think the first thing that we need to do from a financial standpoint is figure out the cost of doing business. So what is it going to cost you and whoever else is a part of what you're doing? Um, literally to get to where you're going. So in the spreadsheet, you want to calculate what is the cost of gas? What is the cost of airfare of any lodging, food, your time? Um, Most of us have um, 
different types of work that we do from home, whether you have a private teaching studio or you have a day job or you have some other kind of job. And every time you leave, you don't always get paid time off, especially if you're self-employed. So you kind of have to calculate the risk of, am I going to this new place to do this residency or this tour? Am I going to make the same amount of money that I would make while I'm home? Am I going to make more money? Am I going to make less money? And factor all of that into your budget, essentially. Before we move more into the financial, a very common question that I get is how do you actually even book a tour? So this is a combination of things. And I would say that this is the most emotional part of the process besides the money mindset is asking people to let you come to their school or reaching out to a chamber series to pitch your group or present at a conference or whatever that needs to look like for you, depending on the type of tour you're trying to do. And I will say that nine out of 10 times, anybody that you see performing, giving a residency, doing a masterclass, being a part of a series has asked to be there. There is that exception of that, you know, remaining 10% or 1% that gets asked to do things. Um, There's also a, um, I guess we could call it residual or word of mouth or credibility or clout that comes from doing these sorts of tours for a minute where you do start to get asked back or you do start to get people to ask you to do stuff via word of mouth. So I've been doing this for about 10 years and I would say I've been speaking and lecturing for the last eight. And um, at first I was reaching out to everybody and I was trying to, I think one of my first speaking engagements was actually at the International Horn Symposium for their 50th anniversary. Anniversary It was in LA. I got to speak at the Colburn School. I was like, what is happening? And honestly, it was like right place, right time. I was managing Genghis Barbie at the time. I was managing Denise Tryon. And I was like really in the horn world at the time. And they needed a class. Um, they needed a, a presentation on social media. And I was, you know, becoming that person. Um, this was like maybe 2014 when Instagram was still like super young. Um, maybe earlier. I can't remember. What is time? Anyway, um, and I just found myself giving a, a master class in that spot. And as a result of that, I was able to connect with other horn players, with other people, with other teachers, um, where I was able to then go and talk to horn studios. So it kind of like started in a situation like that and then kind of evolved to a couple years later, um, people asking me to do things. So it wasn't always that people just call the awesome people and they're the only ones that like hold the keys to the kingdom when it comes to like master classes or any of this kind of stuff. Like there is a certain amount of paying your dues. There is a certain amount of um, showing that this is something that you do. Um, a good example of this too is any instrumentalist who's also a composer. We might only see you on social media as an instrumentalist because you're not sharing about your composition or you're not sharing that you're taking on commission. So it's the same thing. Like if you want to be giving master classes, if you want to be speaking, make sure that we see that so that when we're thinking about somebody that we can also think of you. So the first, all of this to say, backing up, is we, you have to make lists of where you want to go. Who do you want to talk to? So I always like to make three categories of my lead generating. So leads are going to be the people you reach out to to try and book whatever it is you're wanting to book. So my first column of leads is always friends and family. So these are people, these are my friends from college or high school or any of my my clients or anybody that I know that I have a good relationship with where I'm going to email them and they know exactly who I am. These are people that I probably text semi-regularly or we talk on Instagram a lot or, 
you know, these are people that I just know and that if the tables were turned and they were calling me and asking me for something that it wouldn't be weird. So that's my first column of people. And when we're talking about doing anything where you're collecting data, be sure to have a large number of people, of contacts, of leads. Um, something we tend to do is um, I'm going to call five people and nobody's going to respond because I suck. And it's like, no, you need to reach out to like 20 or 30 people to have averages kind of work out. It's the same thing with like a clinical study. You're not going to believe someone um, who has this controlled study with, you know, five people on like the effects of sugar or whatever. Like you need hundreds of people for that. So it's the same thing when it comes to lead generating. Like don't let it discourage you. Um, that you're not hearing back. If you email enough people, you absolutely will hear back. And when it comes to getting responses, and I can tell you this as an agent, it's not about getting a yes. I need to get a yes or a no. Maybes are garbage. When someone's like, circle back, or yeah, maybe, or sure, let me let me think about like, no, we need to get to a yes or a no, because I can work with that. If somebody says no, not a problem. Great. Next. If someone says yes, awesome. We can keep moving forward. Um, the maybes are just like false. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. So my first column is friends and family. My next column is folks that we have like a degree of separation or we know each other through mutual friends or we've heard of each other's work and we are vaguely familiar, but there's still like a degree of um, less casual correspondence. Um, so these might be the folks where I email like dear professor blah or hey, so-and-so gave me your contact info. We were talking about how awesome your new record was. And I just wanted to introduce myself. Like those are the the types of emails that have a little bit more, um, here's how we might know each other, but it's still not someone that has no idea who you are. So that's my second column. And as you can already imagine, I typically work through my friends and family list first to kind of give me that confidence, give me that momentum. Then I work through the second list of one to two degrees of separation. And then my final list are just cold leads. These are often either my pie in the sky places or, or programs. Um, these are the the places that maybe I want to potentially get some feedback on, especially if it's a chamber series where I'm like, ooh, you know, I probably won't get to go to the Boston Celebrity Series, but let me apply and send my information. And if they tell me no, I might have an opportunity to get some feedback. So I just can build some more data and figure out what I need to do in order to eventually be in a place like this. So this is the lead generating for how to build a tour. And I think like getting super clear around where you want to go, what you want to do is super important. The next element is building the email. And I have seen over the years there be a culture of you need to prove anything via email. You need to, you know, write a memoir and you need to link all this stuff and you need to make sure that you are legit so that, you know, it's irrefutable or whatever. Um, again, putting my agent hat on for the people you're going to be reaching out to, they more often than not get lots of emails every day. Correspondence is probably one of their pain points. They do not need a long ass email. They need a very basic, hi, this is who I am, would love for the opportunity to come to your program or here's something that I would like to play or, you know, however, in whatever capacity. Um, here's my website. Here are my materials. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you. And very simple, very quick. Um, 
I do not recommend slash think it's really pretentious slash mega red flag if somebody sends me their pricing, if somebody sends me like 10 masterclass topics, if somebody's just immediately diarrhea of the mouth in my inbox, I might not even be able to read all of it because my eyes have rolled all the way to the back of my head. But also, who are you to say what someone's budget might be? More often than not, because we're so sensitive about booking and this is such an emotional journey, you're often undervaluing yourself. Like I've seen people make such a huge stink around like, oh, my masterclass is $150 and I'm going to do 90 minutes of all this stuff. And it's like, um, you could probably get way more than that. And what are you doing? So something to think about. Um, make sure these emails are succinct. Make sure that you're keeping track of them. Um, and make sure that you're sending them and following up appropriately. So follow up is something that we're all afraid of. But I can tell you as an agent, it is incredibly important to follow up. And myself, as somebody who's on top of my email for the most part and really pride myself in being organized, and I mean, I have to be as an agent, I drop balls all the time. And when somebody sends me a follow-up email, it's like, I feel so loved. <laughs> I feel like, oh, this person cared enough about whatever we're talking about to follow up with me. And it gives me an opportunity to apologize. It puts it at the top of my inbox. It gives me a chance, like if I was thinking about it and have an answer to respond right away, if I don't have an answer to let them know that I'm getting the information. Um, so it's just not as scary or you're not as insert whatever you're afraid of by following up. It's actually a really positive thing. So send the email follow up within a week, week and a half. And if somebody comes back to you and they are like, we'd love to have you. We don't have the budget or the time, but let's revisit. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you getting back to me. Um, I will reach out to you in the fall or in the spring, like set a time, do that and put that in your spreadsheet, put that in your notes so that you know to follow up. Another common response that someone might get would be like, oh, I would love to host you, but we don't really have any funding. Like, what do we do? Do you have a sponsor? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then the response, my response usually is like, well, to anything anybody ever asks me is what is your budget? What budget are we working with? And I would love to figure out how we can partner. And that's the truth. And also really kind and direct. And it gives people something to work with. So it's like, well, our budget is 250. And it's like, ooh, okay, well, now that I've gone back and I have my spreadsheet around what does it cost me to do this in person? What am I doing? Is this my anchor gig? Do I have other gigs? Or is this something that I'm doing on Zoom from the comfort of my own home? Then I can make an informed decision. So that this, all of this that I'm sharing is a reason why knowing the cost of doing business and knowing you know, what it costs to do some of this stuff um, is really valuable because you can have these informed conversations without feeling like you're being lowballed or without sharing an astronomical number without thinking about it that completely puts people off. Because that's another thing that you get to juggle and balance is just figuring out, you know, what does it actually cost to do these kinds of things? So to answer that question, I would say depending on your profile, depending on your experience, um, depending on what your stuff looks like on social media, what you're talking about, the market, a masterclass can range anywhere from 100 to $750 for anywhere between 60 minutes and 120 minutes in duration. Um, again, very wide range, but that's to give you an idea. A residency, which can contain a masterclass and a recital, 
can cost anywhere between $750 and $1,200. Again, depending on you and your brand and, and what you're talking about. And a multiple day residency or event can be considered something that you price either per day. So that could be anywhere between $800 and $1,500 a day. And then you kind of decide what you're going to be doing within that day. Um, sometimes some of the higher fees are not possible due to budgetary constraints. That's totally fine. A lot of studio teachers or folks are open to either bringing in other schools to kind of pull their resources together. Um, other folks are willing to get um, some private lessons with whoever's coming. So that would be an extra revenue stream outside of the school. Um, so that's another thing that you can kind of count on as income, which is really helpful. Um, and for private lessons, again, depending on where you are, I think a good number to start with is a dollar a minute. That's $60 an hour. Um, I find that easiest, um, especially if you're in the beginning stages, just in case somebody can't afford the 60, then they might be able to afford the 30. So they get a 30 minute lesson and you're not having necessary to necessarily to compromise, um, your ability to make some extra money, help someone. And it's just equitable and cost effective for everybody. Um, a private lesson range can cost anywhere between 60 bucks to 125 an hour. Again, depending on what you're doing, there are much higher fees, of course, for one-on-one -on -one instruction if you're in a top five orchestra or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think 60 to 125 is a pretty reasonable range um, for some private instruction. Um, so you have your, your list of people you're reaching out to, you have your follow-up list, you have your pricing, and now it's just a matter of figuring out what do you want your profit to be? So there's a difference between the gross amount of money you make, the net amount of money you make, and the profit. So let's say you're going to give a masterclass a recital, you're doing this tour, let's say they're going to pay you $1,000. Great. That is your gross income. And then let's say it costs you $300 to get there, to pay for your lodging, and to um, buy your food. That's a $700 net. And then from there, you get to decide what are you paying yourself and that would then be considered your profit. Do you want to pay yourself the full 700 or do you want to pay yourself maybe 500 and keep the $200 and put it back into your personal development fund or into savings or whatever you want to do? If you have an LLC, um, which is a limited liability corporation, you know, you would pay yourself differently. So maybe half of that goes to the LLC for, of course, taxes and savings, and then some of that gets paid to you. So these are all just conversations and questions you have, but based on you knowing how much money you want to make, what does it cost you to go out and do the masterclass? What happens if um, this masterclass is going to cost you money or is that something you really want to do? Or maybe we need to book two or three different um, classes or tours or whatever within the same you know area so that you're able to kind of offset those costs. So all of this is what every single person does when they're booking a tour, ideally. Um, there's no rocket science to it. And I think we just kind of make it seem bigger in our heads than it actually is. Um, and there's also the, the fear of like someone could say no and it's like, okay, they could say no and that's totally fine. But as you build with your friends and family and with the one degree of separation lead generating, um, you're going to add this to your portfolio, which brings us back to marketing and social media. And you're going to be able to display like, Hey, I gave this class here. I'm speaking there. This has been something that's been a game changer for emerging artists. I would say in the last five years where it's given 
all of us an opportunity to not need 10 to 15 to 20 years of experience, but be really, you know, thoughtful and have integrity in what we're saying, but also show that we can do it. And I think that marketing and social media has also helped all of us collectively not necessarily need to be backed by an institution or by an organization to credit our value or our expertise. Um, I'm a living example of that. Like my company is my own name. Um, and that expertise and that experience has been created through being able to showcase what it is that I'm doing. And I've been doing two to three master classes every month for a few years. And that has given me the opportunity not only to workshop my materials, but also to decide what is the lane that I want to be in. So treat all these residencies and tours and things as an opportunity to just discover what do you enjoy talking about? How can you actually help our industry people? Um, what do you want to do? Make sure you're getting paid. Make sure you have clarity on your numbers. And don't worry slash focus so much on are you getting asked to do it? Are people reaching out to you? Like, no, please reach out to people. They want to hear from you. And if you think about it from a higher ed capacity too, like these professors and folks that are also seeking tenure and, you know, trying to help their students and and do a great job are needing what you have to share and say. So you're helping them and helping their students by reaching out respectfully. Don't be crazy. Don't follow up too much. Don't be presumptuous, but definitely, um, you know, feel empowered to reach out and ask questions. And if you reach out to five or 10 people and don't get responses, don't take it personally. You need to reach out to at least 50 people. Okay. So it's absolutely a numbers game. Um, we have spreadsheets for all of this on Patreon as well. So feel free to head over there. You can go get them for free. They're all there. Um, and yes, we will be back next week with a zesty episode. Jen will be back. I promise. And um, if you have any questions, I know this was a lot. I know this is probably confusing. Um, feel free to DM us. Happy to help and support and, and answer any individual questions depending on where you are. I know it's really hard to do just generic numbers, but I just wanted to give a range because I feel like this is such a gate-kept topic and it doesn't have to be. Um, so let us know your thoughts. Thanks for being here and we'll talk soon.